second service. Pretty cool. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Uh, I want to tell you about a few years ago, one Sunday morning, I found myself a little upset. No, it wasn't because my daughters couldn't find their shoes, which does happen. Um, on this day, it was because I was listening to a radio DJ interviewing a, an author of a brand new Christian fiction novel, and this author was explaining how the church really just means my relationship with God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, just the four of us having fellowship and community together. That's all the church was. Like I said, I started getting a little upset. My first question was, has this guy ever read the Bible? Uh, my second question, though, is, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever uh, heard anybody say that? Uh, that I don't need church, church is just be me and God. Yeah, actually, that's a pretty common uh, understanding. Well, needless to say, I didn't rush out and buy that guy's book. Um, but here's what God's book tells me. Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The church is important to God and to the world. And again, I want to welcome you all to the church. Um, if you didn't get a bulletin, raise your hand. Aaron's going to pass them around. There's, a, there's some stuff on your bulletin, uh, sermon notes, that I'd like everybody to be able to see together today. So raise your hand. He'll give you a bulletin. And while he does that, I want to tell you that I'm going to start every new year, Aaron, front row up here, um, every new year with a vision sermon. And the reason for that is a couple reasons. Uh, one, a lot of leadership experts will say a leader's number one job is to cast vision. And that's because people want to know where they're going. So that makes sense. This is also reinforced by Proverbs 29, 18, which says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint or perish. But blessed is he who keeps the law. So what this is teaching is that God provides vision and the prophets or the completed word of God um, proclaims that vision and so do we. And then it's up to us whether we follow it or not. We follow it and thrive or we don't follow God and perish. And so this is important to begin the year looking at the new year uh, with some vision to the future. Uh, this is a two-part sermon series. It's going to be vision and goals. Next week we'll talk about goals because goals lead us to spiritual discipline, which leads us to growth in Christ, which is God's will for our lives. So that's next week. And thank you again for joining us. I promise you, you will not be disappointed uh, that you did. So we're talking vision for the church today. Where is God taking community grace in 2021 and beyond? And let's start with this question, what is the local church? One thing I've learned and noticed over the years is that most people get their understanding of church from two sources. One, what they grew up with, and two, what they feel is right. And it's hard to break out of that. I just feel this is right. These things get so ingrained in us that sometimes we just don't catch what the Bible says about what the church really is, or sometimes about who Jesus really is. So let's start with the Bible, because this is God's Word, and 
see what it has to say about the church. Now, our time is limited because the Bible says a lot about the church. Just consider the metaphors that the Bible uses to describe the church's relationship with Christ. So the church is the ecclesia, the called out ones from among the world to be in this union with Christ. Listen to these metaphors it uses. It says that Christ is the head and we are his body. Okay, it says that Christ is the bridegroom and we are his bride. I mean, this is really deep and significant. It says that Christ is the shepherd and we are his flock. It says that Christ is the firstborn of many sons and daughters and we are his family. It says that Christ is the ruler and we are a city on a hill. It says that Christ is the high priest and we are a royal priesthood. And that he is the cornerstone and we are his temple. I mean, that's amazing to just meditate on any of those. How important the church is to God and to the world. So what is the church? So the next thing I want to break down is my favorite definition of the local church. There have been countless definitions of the church written over the generations. This one's my favorite. This is on your notes at the top of your sermon notes in the bulletin. And we're going to examine this together a little bit. And then we'll go, I'm going to read it and then we'll go back and have you underline some stuff. Okay, here it goes. The local church is a community of regenerated believers who confess Jesus Christ as Lord. In obedience to Scripture, they organize under qualified leadership, gather regular, regularly for the preaching and worship, observe the biblical sacraments or ordinances of baptism and communion, are unified by the Spirit, are disciplined for holiness, and scatter to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission as missionaries to the world for God's glory and their joy. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? There's a lot of theology packed into that definition. So let's just go back real quick, and I, I want to point out nine components of that that you can underline with your pen as we go. Because as we know who we are, then we're able to more clearly see where we should be going, where God is taking us. All right, so just looking briefly, we see right away, we are a community, we are a family, and there's nothing in the world like the church family where we become young, young and old, I mean, one, young and old, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, men and women, slaves and free, all Galatians 3 declares us as one in Christ with equal rights and complementary gifts. A unified, growing church is a picture of heaven on earth. Next is regenerate, regenerated membership. This, that regeneration means born again. We're, we're new. We're a new creation. So the true church is all of those who have trusted Christ and received his new life. But we extend that community, of course, to our children who haven't trusted Christ yet, and to everybody in the world, wide open doors to come and join our community. Under qualified leadership, this is important because in order to stand for true doctrine against heresy that would lead us astray and to not tolerate sin that destroys from within. And then what do we do? We gather. We gather for preaching and worship, the ordinances. This is a command of God that we gather. If you track Chinese underground churches or churches in persecuted nations all over the world, I'll just pinpoint China right now. 
Um, been studying them over the last generations. They have been underground church. It's, it's an amazing study and, and very inspiring, and, and we pray for them. They gather under the threat of losing everything. Everything. Under the, under the threat of having their tongues cut out by the police. And what do they do? What's, how do they respond? They gather. And one Chinese pastor made a notable comment to the American church. He said, stop praying for the end of persecution in China because it is doing a great work in us and through us. And the church is exploding in China because of it. He says, I pray for this kind of awakening in America through persecution. And guess what? I believe we're going to have more and more of an opportunity, and we'll talk about that a little while. Hebrews was written during the reign of Nero, Emperor Nero, an enormous part time of persecution for the Christian church. And Hebrews 10, 25 says this. How do we respond in the face of this? Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we gather, we gather, and we'll talk about that. Observance of baptism and communion, Jesus gave us these treasures. Love, love them, what he does through that. Holy Spirit unity. This is why the sermon today is titled, No Division in Our Vision. That's what we're after. No division in our vision. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, which Scott just read a few minutes ago, draws this out. The goals for the church in, in Jesus' mind is that we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to what end? To mature manhood, to maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So our maturity in Christ and our unity together are God's ultimate goals for us. And I'm proud of the way community grace. I'm proud in the best of ways for how unity has marked this church through everything that's happened in 2020. Amen? We have been together, and it's been a great testimony to the world and a great blessing right up here to the second service of January 3rd, 2021. I want to thank the teams that have participated in that, the sanitizing team that sprung up and continues to meet that kind of a need, and all the ministry teams that have rallied, made decisions, sacrificed, and, and been entirely unified along the way, reached that point. So thank you, everybody, and just praise God for that. Next, we see the pursuit of holiness. God says, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, that's a big pursuit. Perfect purity, holiness uh, is challenging with so much sin in us. But that's our desire. That's our design is to grow in our holiness. And then the great commandment to love and the great commission to make disciples. The great commandment to love, this is our vision. This is what we need to be all about in the world. You know, the Bible says, if, if you do everything else and have not love, you're nothing. So in Matthew 22, the Pharisees were trying to trick Jesus into choosing sides, which commandment was the greater, because they all had different opinions. And he says, here's what we see. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So what is a vision of Christians really living like this? 
it would bring so much healing, so much passion, and so much difference made in the world. That's our vision. And I want to tell you a little update about the Father's Heart ministry that we launched in October around Orphan Sunday. And the Father's Heart ministry is a great example of this kind of thing happening at Community Grace. So they exist to provide help of every kind for fostering and adoptive families. But they've expanded that scope, that vision, to include families with special needs and also routinely touching base with widows, shut-ins, and single parents, those who don't have a lot of support, to show love, support, and encouragement. And as they get going, we, of course, hope this characterizes our entire church, but here is a movement that's showing that Community Grace is quickly becoming a visionary, loving church. Amen? Amen. That's exciting. And then number nine is the Great Commission. That is our mission to make disciples outside of the church, to bring them to the knowledge of Christ, and then inside the church to disciple all of us as we become mature in Christ. And from the first day of the church that we read about in Acts chapter 2, all of these things they started doing, they put into practice, and 2,000 years later we're still doing them. And on that first day, Acts 2, 47 says, people were being added to their number daily, those who were being saved. This is great vision. So will you examine yourself right now in light of this definition of who we are? Are you a part of Jesus' church, an active, healthy part of the body? Would you like to be? Welcome to Community Grace. The future is bright. Now, with this definition of the local church firmly established, we can start seeing how our church will grow and thrive and make an impact in this world. This is called vision. And that brings us to big question number two. What is a local church's vision? Let's talk about the nuts and the bolts of a vision. There are three parts to this answer. The first thing is that a local church's vision is a statement. Okay, typically, an organization will have a mission statement and a vision statement, and those are good things. Uh, Community Grace has a mission statement, and we've examined this. We did that a lot last summer and fall. Now, it's important to know that every church and every Christian has the same mission. It's Jesus' great commission. It's right here on our wall. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and everyone in the nations. So that's the mission. And the mission statement of this church, the way we frame that into today's context, is always in the back of your bulletin on the bottom there in that little box. And it says this, we exist to glorify God by being Christ followers who make Christ followers. That's our mission statement. And it's awesome. Well worth giving your life to. Now what a vision statement does then, and it takes that mission statement, the mission that you have, and it shows what would it look like if we became successful in accomplishing that mission. That's a statement of vision. What would it look like? And so to to create a vision statement takes a lot of prayer and assessment and, and conversations and examination. And there's a million things a local church could be a part of, and one local church can't do them all. So what is it that God is calling us to do in this world? 
And it's a fantastic journey to discover that. And we're well on our way. But we don't have a vision statement currently. So I want to cast a vision that we will be working on creating a vision statement over the course of 2021. And I'm going to ask you to pray for that and be a part of that and give input and be excited about that as God, we pray, gives us more and more clarity and discernment on the future of community grace. That's where we are right now. So a local church's vision can be a statement, and we'll work on that. It can also be a process. That's the second part to the answer. Rather, rather than merely just a statement of what we're setting out to become, a vision is a process of what's all including in us getting there. And here's a picture of a basic church vision statement that I've used for years. And I find it useful to see Christianity in three basic parts. There's the corporate life where we're all gathering together, and we call that the weekend services. This is when we come together every week to worship, to be convicted, to grow, to see each other, and to be encouraged to face the week that's ahead of us. That's a huge part of Christianity, but it's not all there is to Christianity, just coming to church every week. It goes on from there to scatter during the week throughout the community in smaller relational environments and one-on-one -on -one interaction as we disciple each other and relate to each other and bear each other's burdens and grieve with those who are grieving and rejoice with those who are rejoicing and all those things together in relationship. That's Christianity. And so we have small groups. This is our process, how we, how we get to our vision. We, we obey the Bible. We have small groups. We have discipleship, mentors, mentees. We try to develop that in all things that we, we do. Now, we are about to launch the new winter-spring small groups semester. In two weeks, the week of January 17th, we kick that off. So um, on each of your groups should be a little slip of paper that's got our open small groups on them. Would you grab, I don't know if we replenished them after the first service, but I think most of them, most of your seats have those on the seats, and maybe one nearby if, if you'd like to see one. How many people are, were in a small group in the fall? Would you raise your hand? All right, we, we have just an enormous number of people in the small groups. Um, for those of you who weren't able to in the fall and would like to join one uh, this semester, these are the groups on that list that have room. They are open, which means they're not full, which means they want you to join them because they want to be full. Okay, so you can check one or two of those and you'll be contacted over the next couple weeks and invited to be in the relational aspect of, of Christianity. You can just drop those off in, in the boxes on the walls. And then third, of course, is the service. Being active in ministry that's building up the church, being on mission that's outside of the walls of the church, serving Christ, serving the world, serving each other. And this is Christianity. Now, you notice this graph. None of them stand alone. They're all feeding into each other. They all come back and support each other, and they're all going in the same direction, and that's towards the cross because they're all designed to bring us closer to Jesus in our relationship and in our likeness to him. And then there's a big circle around it all to make the giant point that we do this, not alone, but as a family, a family of God 
in the expression of the local church. A local church's vision can thus be a statement, and it can be, and it is a process. And we'll fill in the gaps about all the details, um, how we're involved in each part of those. There's a lot of communication involved and structure and scheduling and all kinds of things like that. That's what we're working on in 2021, and it's already off to a really great start. But most importantly, a church's vision is all about God. Because if we just make our vision just about us, our own benefit, just about our church, or just about our community, it's powerless. No, it's all about God. And he says, seek first my kingdom and all these other things will be added to you. We make our, our, all we're about in our vision about God, knowing him and pleasing him, serving him, glorifying him. He shares that glory with us and everything is better. God declares the success of the church's vision. He's the one. Matthew 16, 18, he says, Jesus said this, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's a vision of completion right there. So this is, this is God's vision, his church, and who we live for. And he will lift us up. Now having said all that, we grasp what we are, as a church, we grasp the importance of vision and where we're going in the future, that we're in it together in unity for the purpose of maturity in Christ. Let's talk about current events. So 2020 was a ridiculous year. <laughs> uh, and I've been preaching vision sermons for the past 15 years. And each of those 15 years, They've generally been for the purpose of stirring up brothers and sisters in Christ in a generally comfortable environment. This year is different. It's different. So my final big question for today as we launch into the future is what is 2020's impact on our future, on our vision for the future? Well, 2020 has been a lot of things, <clears throat> but I tell you, it was not a surprise. It was not a surprise to God, who knows all, who plans all, who sees all, and who is sovereign in control. But many of us weren't entirely aware of all the things that have been going on behind the scenes in our culture. The events of 2020 have forced us to learn about how sinful hearts Worldly agendas and spiritual powers behind them bring societies to times like we're in right now. I mentioned last week that I would be speaking into current events today, and it is a must for church leaders to do this, to bring light to current events and guide local churches victoriously in the culture that, in which we find ourselves. Brightly into the darkness that blinds the world around us in which we live. So this is our way forward. I told Sarah that if I said everything that I'd like to about all the events of, the, of 2020's impact, it would be a two-hour lecture, at least. I don't have that much time. Uh, so I boiled it down to just a few things that fit our message today. 
I'm going to start with Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel. In the Tower of Babel, in Genesis chapter 11, early on in the human experience, what we saw there is the same cycle that has been repeating itself over and over, in which we find ourselves square in the middle of today. What you saw in the Tower of Babel was humans, the human race, united in building up their societal structure, their government, whatever you call it, the way to take care of themselves, in such a way that they don't need God anymore. That was at the heart of building that tower and that strong bond in opposition of God. Deep in the heart of every human is a desire for autonomy from God. I don't need them. I don't want them. We want to be our own gods. That's in all of us, every human. What did God do in response to the Tower of Babel? He crushed it, and he scattered the people. And he did that for his own righteousness and for their own good. Flash forward to America. It was never an entirely Christian nation, but it was certainly founded on biblical principles, which has always caused people and a society to thrive. You see that anywhere in the mission field, in all of church history, when the gospel is come, comes into a society for the first time, people start treating each other more ethically and lovingly, and societies and families and people are healthier. But thriving often leads to drifting away from God again. Dangerous territory. America has maintained a great Christian influence but has also sinned greatly and has sought autonomy from God. Uh-oh. Well over 100 years ago, we started our slide as a nation into what has escalated rap rapidly in my lifetime and exploded in 2020. Godless teachings like evolution and ideologies like Marxism crept in during the 19th century promising self-centered Americans ways to be autonomous from God, playing into our sinful human nature, our flesh. It sounded good. We don't need God. Karl Marx described himself, or called himself, the demon Apollyon, which means destroyer. Because to establish his utopian vision, everything else must first be destroyed and destroy his philosophies have all over the world, including America. With a little research, it's not hard to see exactly how this has unfolded. Just look at the key documents, the Humanist Manifesto, the Communist Manifesto, socialist leaders' uh, writings and speech, speeches through all, all through time, through today, the architects of, the public, of public education 100 years ago, and then there was another big spike in the last 120 years, and that was in the 1960s. And I find the 1963 current communist goals a very significant document and checkpoint that brought us to where we are today. So in all of these statements, their, state, their documents, you see clearly underlying it all a state, the stated purpose of being freed from God. That's at the heart of it, of it all, which has always led to destruction. It always will, 
and it is today. So here's a simple list of their stated strategies in these documents. Pay attention and see if you notice any of them today. Replace theology, replace belief in God with the religion of secular humanism. To abolish eternal truth, abolish all religion and all morality. To gain control of political parties. To destroy self-governing nations to create a globalist society. Government control of property, wealth, economy, charity, employment, education, and ultimately religion. Sexualize the children. Promoting pornography and obscenity and presenting homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. Their stated words. Use diversity to divide and destroy with endless racial tension. Erase history and rewrite history, including the destruction of monuments. And I couldn't believe how blatantly we saw that this summer in America. That's right out of their textbooks. Mobs tore down only selective statues and monuments across the country. To destroy small business and the middle class to make the population dependent on the government. And this one is where we come in square in the middle to vilify all opponents, which is why Christians are being called evil now. To vilify the villains, all opponents, not stopping there, to legitimize violence and never accept peace. The gospel is the gospel of peace. We'll keep fighting that one. To censor and control free speech, that's happening rapidly right now. To control the media for propaganda, to redefine the concepts of equality and justice and convince everyone this is for a noble cause. And finally, and I'm holding this one for last because this is the most critical for their vision to be actualized, and that is the destruction of the family. Because the family is the basic building block of a healthy society. And a healthy family and a healthy church are their biggest obstacles. Economic Marxism, cultural Marxism, communism, and socialism have always been an enemy of the church. COVID-19 in 2020 gave all of these agendas hunting license to run rampant, and that's a huge reason why 2020 has been crazy. Free license to fearmonger and to control and to destroy and to shut down and to divide. It's just been exploding. And here's what the church is left to do. The church has her mission, but the church must seek balance to give care and concern for the sick and outdo the world in that while opposing the fear-mongering and the exploitation and the sin. You see why this could easily be a two-hour message? I'm not going to go any further in that today, but we will continue to speak biblical truth in this church no matter what. But let me finish with two important questions at this point, which you might be asking, where is God in all this? 
Be assured, as always, I mean, this cycle has repeated itself all through Scripture and history since. Be assured, as always, he is in sovereign control. He is in sovereign control, and he's moving in all of these events that are all around us and all around the rest of the world all the time. And his plan, we have to understand, his plan is never to force us or coerce us into loving him or following him. But he sure responds to our love for him. And he promises that he moves in the world according to our prayers and our following Christ. And he gets the glory for that, and he shares that glory with us. Listen, because we know God, because we know God and we know his word and we know the Christ Jesus is our example to follow, he has prepared us for this moment, and we are more ready for anything the world has to throw at us than we realize. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have each other. We have God on the throne. And we are ready. So my next big question to end is, how do Christians respond? And here are the next steps as well. This is how Christians should always respond in the face of anything. First is to pray and repent. See, behind every trial and every attack and every chaos and destruction, behind everything, there's spiritual battles behind all those that can only be confronted with prayer. And God has ordained our prayers to be powerful. And so we pray. And then to repent, you need, we need to constantly repent from the sins that keep us from being effective from following Christ. And he takes them away. Pray and repent. So how much, however much you prayed and repented in 2020, let's increase that many times in 2021. Are you with me? All right. Beyond that, gather and follow Christ. Continue to gather together to be a church, only a healthy church. I don't advise you to go to a dysfunctional or her heretical church. But Christians are, and gather and serve. Um, Christians have been known for gathering and serving in the face of absolutely everything in the last 2,000 years of church history through plagues and through armies and through persecution and through ridicule and through imprisonment and through torture and through death. God's people never stopped wor worshiping and serving together. Nor should we. And then third, proclaim and stand for the gospel. The gospel is the answer. Now, let me just say, Christians and churches do get fearful. And I just want to acknowledge that we get fearful. We get afraid. Why is that? All kinds of reasons. We have been silenced and fear-mongered and are afraid often because we're afraid of losing friends or we're afraid of being misquoted. Or we're afraid of being labeled a hater or unloving. We're afraid of losing our jobs. So we're silenced. Here's one that, that dawned on me that as I researched this, we're afraid of worrying that maybe our unsaved friends or neighbors might not think Jesus is very nice or loving. We're afraid of that. And so we don't tell them about the real Jesus. But I'll tell you what, the real Jesus is the righteous judge, but righteous judgment and justice is appealing to our souls who face injustices all the time and who want righteousness. No, you don't hold back. 
you, meet, you introduce them to the real Jesus who is glorified in every way. We should never be silent because of, and here's another reason we should never be silent. Because mankind's response and their attempts to run the world without God always fail and leave people destroyed, not at peace, and ultimately to hell if they never hear the gospel of Jesus. But there's a price to be paid following Jesus. He was very clear about that. Will you pay it? And as we do, whatever lies ahead in 2021 and beyond, we'll start seeing the glory in it. God will be glorified in you. You'll see people saved by Jesus Christ, and you'll see and experience Jesus' joy like you never have before. This is a message entirely of hope. And we're in it together all the way. On the bottom of your sermon notes are some important dates for the outset of our vision for 2021. These are the big, big things that are coming up just in the next couple weeks. First of all, our membership class this Saturday. Uh, if you're not a member, we'd love to have you there and learn all about the church. Uh, then the, the team huddle is an event for all people serving in a ministry team or a mission team. That's next Sunday night. And if you haven't gotten an invitation, if you're on a ministry team, and haven't gotten an invitation yet, ask your ministry leader and they'll send it to you. We'd love to, we need RSVPs for that. And then small groups start in a couple weeks. So sign up today or next week uh, to be contacted. God is in control and he is faithful. And we're going to sing praises back to him right now as the worship team comes back up to sing to God about his faithfulness. Let's pray. Lord, we look forward to heaven, I have to say. Uh, but until we get there and share this glory in its fullness, uh, you've given us a mission in this world to be the light of the world, a city on a hill, whatever the cost. I pray that you'll make us faithful and fully committed to loving each other and the world around us. And Lord, we sing this praise back to you, thanking you for your faithfulness. May we respond this way forever. In Jesus' name, amen.